Hello, welcome to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I am your host, Garrett Ashley Mullet. So today, I am trying out something new. The last three, or the first three episodes of this podcast, I was recording using my smartphone, and I figured it was just going to be a little bit of an experiment. I've never podcasted before, haven't really recorded audio, just audio for anything like this before. And so, uh, you know, I didn't want to be afraid of it and then just not do it. And I guess I was in too much of a rush. I was too eager to uh, try recording some test runs and then uh, delete them if they didn't work out the way that I wanted them to. So uh, I just ended up going with it, right, and uh, shooting from the hip, so, so to speak. So the first two I recorded with my smartphone while driving and uh, and also the third actually all, all first <laughs> three of the uh, podcasts episodes that uh, I've recorded I was using my smartphone uh, the first two I think I just had it in the cradle first one definitely was just sitting in, in the cradle on my dash and so I had a good you know what four feet three feet from you know, my mouth, uh, you know, not the most superb of, uh, recording. And, uh, and then, uh, I think I, I got a little bit more sensitive to it after I listened to that first episode. Uh, my wife reported back to me that it was difficult to hear, even with <clears throat> the volume turned all the way up with her trying to play it back. And so uh, I went ahead and I ordered this microphone off of Amazon, and uh, it's it, it had really good reviews. I think it was like four and a half stars out of five. It wasn't very expensive. It was only thirty bucks thereabouts. And uh, and then I bought a, a little adapter. It's a auxiliary port to uh, lightning connector adapter for my iPhone 10 since the iPhone 10 does not have an auxiliary port and I thought well that'll do it you know if I just you know this microphone doesn't have uh, you know the, the lightning connector you know I don't think a whole great many do but apparently some do <clears throat> because people other people have <laughs> run into the same issue with uh, not being able to hook up an external microphone to their iPhone 10. Thank you, Apple. Because uh, I, I went and I looked, because I thought, well, maybe there's a setting I need to adjust or something. And uh, and so I looked at Apple's you know, FAQ, uh, frequently asked questions, and uh, person after person after person was getting the same exact response. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> You gotta get uh, a microphone that specifically goes into the lightning connector. Basically, a microphone that's specifically made for uh, talking with the iPhone 10. So thank you, thank you, Apple. Super cool of you. Um, just kidding. Not super cool, actually. It's obnoxious. Um, but it's all right. I mean, I. The way I'm doing this right now, I am recording with the microphone I bought, and it's it's really more set up for uh, recording at my desk anyways. I'll just plug it directly into my desktop, and, uh, and then I'll record in the morning maybe before I leave. Uh, I'll have to only use this for podcasting, but that's all right. You know, it's okay to have it just dedicated to that. And uh, And then what I might do is I might get a lapel mic. Uh, since that <clears throat> that would actually be uh, useful 
for recording in the pickup anyways. I mean, this microphone, plugging it into my uh, phone, my smartphone, um, it's not really, um, I don't know, I mean, obviously you can't see it since this is a podcast, but it's not set up to where I could just easily mount it inside my pickup to to be able to, to record as I'm driving. Whereas a, a lapel mic, that, that would be a, a pretty sweet. And then I could also use the lapel mic if I get one specifically that has that lightning connection uh, to to my iPhone 10. Uh, I can use that as well for, for YouTube videos, which is what I was hoping to use this for. But, you know, alas, <laughs> uh, it, it is not to be. So anyway, that is... Uh, you know, if this sounds a whole lot better, if you listened to one or all of the first three episodes of this podcast, and this sounds just dramatically better, now you know why. Um, I hope also, too, uh, for anybody who starts listening to this podcast uh, after this point or at this point, you know, if you do, I, I hope nobody was scared away by the first three episodes, the audio quality being so poor. You know, as I have said, uh, with the YouTube and uh, with uh, this podcast as well. This is my first time doing anything like this. And uh, I don't even really listen to podcasts <laughs> to, to be able to, you know, measure uh, what I'm doing against what other people typically do and, and uh, do a compare and contrast. My wife listens to a few podcasts, so she's given me some feedback and that's been been really good. But I guess I've just been figuring... I, you know, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to try it. If I'm the only one listening uh, early on, that's all right. But uh, I mean, I, I'm going to commit to getting better as I go and not allow imperfections to derail me before I get started. And uh, so I hope for anybody uh, listening after this, you know, down the road, if you go back to listen to the very first couple of episodes, you are just blown away at how... Uh, primitive and how rough they were in comparison with, with how good they get as time goes on. Uh, you know, hopefully this is a dramatic improvement as well. Hopefully if you were listening to the first three episodes and then you listen to this one, it doesn't blow your speakers out because you had to turn the you know volume to 11 in order to make out what I was saying on the first three. And on this one, you know, it's actually like, you know, legitimately... <laughs> A normal, <laughs> you know, volume level, because I actually recorded it right. Um, you know, if if you did blow out your speakers or your eardrums, uh, I am sorry about that. That was that's unfortunate. <clears throat> but uh, hopefully, you know, this is now that I've got a microphone, <clears throat> I'm going to try and make this a standardized uh, f- format, or I'll have trying to have a consistent distance from the microphone. And, uh, and and a, a consistent volume so that uh, there's not too much fluctuation for you as the listener. But anyway, moving on. One interesting thing I see today in uh, Drudge Report is uh, an article in DailyMail.com about women who refuse to have babies to save the planet. Meet the Britons who claim they are doing their part to stop the crippling impact overpopulation has on the earth. And so I'm just skimming the article. Like, I feel I always hate it when people do this, but I'm doing it. So maybe now I'm going to sympathize with others, why they do it. Um, but I, I guess I can't bear to actually read all of this article and all of these uh, interviews with these women that are pictured who are uh, virtue signaling <laughs> as the, as the phrase was coined uh, virtue signaling about why they're not having babies. And the reason why they're not having babies is to save the planet from overpopulation from human beings uh, mucking it up, filling up all the space, uh, consuming too much, etc., etc., etc. 
I see just in skimming it that this first woman pictured, you know, she uh, is enchanted by the idea of watching a baby grow up, but she has decided she will never experience the joy of discovering she is pregnant. Uh, this next woman refutes supposedly the stigma that women who decide not to have children are somehow selfish. Uh, this next woman says she's 40. The decision not to have children is linked to her desire to counteract her less environmentally friendly activities. So in other words, she's decided that she will not have children because she's already uh, consuming enough as it is. She doesn't want to consume less and and all of that. Uh, she's just going to keep on consuming more than than she ought to, or she feels and and she feels guilty about that. But her way of compensating for her feeling guilty is to not have uh, children that are also going to be consuming. She she doesn't want to have to tell them, hey, you should be less you know less self indulgent than I am. Uh, she realizes it's not sustainable for everybody to be as self-indulgent and, and consumptive as she is. She doesn't want to have to tell them to be less consumptive because then she's going to feel like a hypocrite. But then she doesn't also, <laughs> she also doesn't want to have to consume less herself. So then her, her solution is just to not have children, to, to have, it's, it's uh, heading off at the pass, having to ever say, do as I say, not as I do. Uh, by just just not having children to, to tell that to. Uh, way to way to think ahead there. <laughs> uh, Romita, 36, a health economist and natural sciences graduate, is also concerned about the impact of overpopulation on humans. So the impact of overpopulation on humans. So so she's concerned. I bet you, primarily, with uh, the impact her apartment being overpopulated would have on uh, her as a human. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, it's probably more about that. You know, I, I like having this room for my wine collection and for my, uh, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. I don't want to have to turn that into a nursery. You know, what impact would that have on humans if my apartment was overpopulated? You know, uh, yeah, I, I find this astounding and I, I don't I don't mean to uh, completely write off these women being interviewed here uh, as if they're, they're necessarily full of it and, and being dishonest. Um, you know, it could very well be that they are just deceived and misled they've been told that this is uh reasonable a reasonable fear that uh, the earth is being overpopulated and uh, and they're just trying to do their part they think that this is actually a virtuous thing and that they're going to sacrifice uh you know i notice none of the women pictured are living in little shacks uh they all seem fairly well dressed and to be living in uh, smart-looking uh, apartments. Um, I see decorations in the background. I see uh, this one. I really like the color of that wall. That's a, that's a nice, pretty blue uh, on the wall behind this one, Helen Campbell from Hay on Wye, South Wales. Uh, very smartly uh, decorated habitation. <laughs> um, but it, you know, I, I notice, you know, that all of these women seem to be fairly well dressed. They're not uh, going and living in a third world fashion, but they don't want to bring children into it, into their lives, uh, because they're so concerned, supposedly, about 
saving the planet. And you know, it's interesting. It, it reminds me of uh, Al Gore and Leonardo DiCaprio and others flying all over the planet in these big jets and all of the fuel those jets consume. And then you find out they've got several cars and several houses and all their houses are giant. And you think about how much these celebrities that are campaigning all the time for climate change, how much they consume compared with your average person, the average person that they are supposedly trying to influence and uh, persuade to consume less, uh, and it just it seems uh, entirely uh, disingenuous, you know. Once again, do as I say, not as I do, because they realize it's not sustainable. If everyone was uh, flying around in jets the way that they do, and owned as many cars as they do, and owned as many houses and as big of houses as they do, that that would not be sustainable. They're not willing to give up on that stuff themselves. But they want you to not ever go there. And, and them telling everybody to not go there, even as they themselves are, makes them feel like uh, they're at least a little bit compensating. You know, that, that, that their selfishness, you know, that I'm looking out for the planet. I'm not selfish. I just care about the planet. You know, that's why I'm telling you guys to not do as I do. And, and you know. It's too late for me. I can't. I can't, you know, do without all these things I've got now and this lifestyle I have, where I just focus on myself all the time. Uh, it's too late for me. Save yourselves. You know, uh, give me a break. You know, I, I find it interesting too. I was, I was just on a conference call yesterday for automation because I'm an automation technician in oil and gas, and you know, there's a a, a very great demand. Uh, not just across the oil and gas industry, but across uh, every sector of the economy, every industry wants to find ways to automate their processes so that uh, we are less dependent on human labor, right? And you wonder to yourself, I mean, what is anybody going to be doing in the future as far as work goes if uh, you're manufacturing? You know, I think of like Tesla. Tesla tried to hire me away. One of their recruiters found me on LinkedIn I was very, very tempted because uh, it looks like the things that Tesla is doing uh, as a company are just super cool and they're very well marketed. And I was super excited about the prospect of going to work for them. Um, but I mean, they've got factories all over the place. That was one of the questions in the interview was, do you have any experience working on robots? And I said, well, no, <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Um, you know, so so that was, uh, you know, that that was remarkable. Uh, yesterday, when, you know, I'm uh, I'm in the on this automation conference call, and our general manager was giving an update on this one potential customer that uh, I and others in this market might be going to work for. We might be installing quite a bit of uh, sensors and uh, devices that, uh, you know, help this company to keep tabs on what their equipment is doing or be able to control it remotely or have automatic things that, uh, you know, switch on or off or open or close or speed up or slow down or whatever, uh, as needed as in, you know, as they are prompted by these sensors. And, uh, and, and one of the things that she said is, is a driving factor in, in automation. Our general manager did, she said is that, uh, people are having less babies and actually uh, birth rates uh, are not going to be able to support uh, current population levels. And so there's going to be in the future not enough people to fill all of the jobs, which is ironic. I mean, because here we're looking at automation and maybe that's a, a way she's selling it so that we feel better about installing all this automation that's going to uh, do away with jobs. We're, we're going to think about it in the other direction that People are just not having enough babies. There's not enough workers uh, to do all the work that needs to be done, you know. And it could be—I don't know—it could be uh, both. And uh, you know, uh, she she did make a note, uh, an exception. She says, "Well, no, nobody's having babies anymore, except Garrett and TC." <laughs> and that's you know, TC's my 
my uh, coworker. He's the, the other automation technician. And both our wives had babies within a week of each other, actually. Um, or was it, no, was it a week or was it two weeks? It doesn't matter. It was close. It was really, I think it was within a week. His wife had a baby one Monday and my wife had a baby the next Monday. And uh, so we're, we are uh, having babies. I think this was his fourth. Uh, this is my seventh. And uh, we are trying to offset actually the population contraction that is going to happen that's hitting uh, America and basically all, the West. Uh, and every country that uh, America and Europe has uh, rubbed off on and, and had a, an influence over. I think of uh, this article I just read here in LiveScience.com uh, back, I guess it was published May 17th, uh, and the title was U.S. Birth Rate Hits All-Time Low, What's Behind the Decline? And uh, it, you know, from the article, it says last year about 3.8 million babies were born in the U.S., 2% lower than the number born in 2016, and the lowest recorded number of births in 30 years, according to the report. Uh, there's other articles you can find which talk about uh, what the the birth rate has to be in order for a population to even just maintain itself. And uh, you know, there's a, I mean, just do a, a quick Google search. Look at uh, Japan's birth rate. Uh, look at China's birth rate. You know, they had this uh, monstrous one-child policy for the longest time in China where there were compulsory abortions and sterilizations and whatnot. And if a woman was caught uh, having more children than she was allowed, whether it was one or two, she'd be taken away, forced to have an abortion, uh, forced to choose if she had twins, which one she was going to keep and which one would be terminated, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Just this monstrous policy because the Chinese bought into uh, this Malthusian uh, idea that nations that control their population growth and limit that uh, actually are going to be uh, better off. Uh, they'll have greater economic development as people are focusing on their careers more and less on having uh, a whole bunch of babies the way that my wife and I have. <laughs> uh, you know, then you you get them more proficient in their careers. They go, you know, build up and up and up and uh, and you know make breakthroughs and and are able to do great things and it, when you have that uh across uh the spectrum you know across uh, the the country uh it has a, a cumulative effect which is very beneficial and so the chinese they bought into that and then their centrally planned society uh the communist society said hey we're going to force uh we're not going to just try and persuade them through constant uh, ridicule of uh, having children or making uh, parenting so stressful by uh, discouraging uh, corporal punishment and spanking and giving kids just terrible values and, and things like that to where they just act monstrous. You don't want to have any uh, children. <laughs> you know, we're not going to do that like they do in the West. Uh, we're just going to, you know, as a government, as a society, we're going to just dictate and force and compel uh, families to only have one or two children at most. But now the Chinese are going to be in, in so much trouble. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a secret that, you know, when forced to choose, uh, Chinese families, a lot of times were having, um, the, the baby girls aborted or abandoning those baby girls because they wanted sons. Well, how is that going to work? You know, if you have a whole, uh, country of just boys, you, you know, you're not going to be having another generation after that <laughs> very easily unless you look outside your borders for for some women. Um, good luck with that, you know. Uh, so now, I, again, this was, I think, last month, uh, saw news that China is going to uh, do away with their policy in that regard. But, you know, societies are going to run into issues, uh, problems. 
where they, uh, you know, you, it's too little too late, right? You know, if I wait until I'm 40 to start having kids and there's this big 20, 30 year gap, uh, generation gap, and, you know, and you do, you have that across society, you know, just like you can have a cumulative effect short term where people pursuing their careers <clears throat> benefits the economy. You can also have a cumulative effect uh, long term where a population contraction is going to hurt your economy, where there's not enough workers, there's a shortage of workers in key roles, and all of a sudden you can't, uh, you can't get a burger at, at McDonald's without waiting for an hour because there's not enough people there uh, to work. You can't get oil out of the ground or safely transport it or build your locations fast enough or drill fast enough or whatever because uh, you don't have enough workers to man the rigs and the, the pipeline crews, etc. cetera. Uh, you can't get your manufacturing of uh, your your smartphone done fast enough because, yeah, we've got robots, but we don't have enough people you know, harvesting those raw materials, getting them out of the ground, transporting them to the factory, uh, you know, overseeing the robots. Cause you know, even it's like that, uh, <clears throat> Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. Uh, it was made a, a number of years ago with Johnny Depp as, as uh, Willy Wonka. Uh, I'm sorry. Char yeah. Charlie and the chocolate factory. And then Willy Wonka is, uh, I think that's the old version with Gene Wilder, isn't it? Uh, anyway, you know, the, the dad, Charlie's father, gets uh, laid off from his job at the toothpaste factory because they invent a robot that's going to put uh, the, uh, the lid on the, the toothpaste tube. And that happens at the beginning, and then the family obviously is very concerned about how that's going to work. But they've got uh, two sets of grandparents living in this little uh, ramshackle home. And then you got two parents, and one of them gets laid off of work because of a robot. And then you've got just one child, and it's an inverted pyramid, population-wise. Uh, you've got, you know, you think about once uh, mom and dad uh, are are too old to take care of themselves, or they can't get meaningful work, and if the dad doesn't have any technical skills, and he doesn't get a job at the end of the the movie, uh, repairing the robot that uh, <laughs> puts the uh, lids on the, the toothpaste tube. <clears throat> if he doesn't get that job because, uh, you know, he didn't, uh, get those skills, uh, that's new technology he's not familiar with and has a hard time learning it by the time it comes out, given his age. Uh, you know, maybe Charlie, you know, unless Charlie w finds that golden ticket and he's one in a million and he gets uh, to be one of only, what, seven kids or whatever it is that uh, tour the factory that actually gets uh, you know, the, the, the grand prize of inheriting this factory. Uh, you know, unless that happens, that's the way it works out for little Charlie. He's going to be hard pressed to support both his parents and all four of his grandparents. And you, you've got one little boy who's going to have the whole world on his shoulders. And so what's going to end up happening, right? You're going to have uh, these older people not being taken care of because it's just not uh, logistically possible because nobody had any babies or they had less and less babies and you get these inverted triangles population-wise. Now, in contrast to that, uh, you know, wisdom, long-term thinking, investment, being willing to suffer a little now, uh, in order to uh, enjoy and, and reap the rewards, uh, enjoy the fruits later. You know, I think of my uh, grandparents on my dad's side. Uh, they had nine children, and there's no doubt in my mind that having nine children was very difficult. Uh, but they had nine children, and, you know, eventually those nine children grew up, and they left the house, and they had uh, they got married and they had families of their own. And so now I have like 40 first cousins on my dad's side. And, you know, some of them went off and they became doctors and nurses and pastors and uh, oil field workers like myself and my, you know, a couple of my cousins, three, two or three of my cousins. And, you know, and, and all these three generations, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles and my dad, and me and my cousins, 
you know, if something happens to my grandparents to where they're just not able to take care of themselves and that, guess what? That happens at a certain age. Just, you know, you, your, your body start stops working the way that it is supposed to, and it used to, your mind stops working the way that it used to, and is supposed to, and you can't work and support yourself that way. Social security is not something to uh, hold your breath for and wait for. And so then, you know, what does it end up being? It ends up being, uh, with, with, uh, any luck and by God's grace, your children and your grandchildren that are going to end up taking care of you. So in the case of my grandparents, when they got to be an age where they couldn't really take care of themselves and live on their own anymore, uh, it was pretty fantastic that there were nine children who could pool their resources and split up the time and share that burden, uh, share that responsibility, uh, work together, put their heads together. It wasn't that all of the pressure was on any one of them, you know, like little Charlie in the chocolate factory. Uh, you know, they had one another to lean on and uh, work together with. And then beyond that too, here, uh, that generation, those nine kids, they had children, or most of them did. Uh, my dad and one of his sisters, uh, each of them only had two. So they, you know, I guess uh, their marriages replaced themselves. Uh, one, uh, one of my aunts and uncles, uh, they had, I think, three. Another one had four. Another one had, if I remember right, they had nine. Did they have nine or seven? Sorry, Aunt Deb, Uncle Jeff, I don't remember. <laughs> Please message me uh, and remind me if uh, if you get this and you're shocked and appalled that I don't remember. Um, I'm sure the people do the same thing. My brother did the same thing with me about uh, how many kids I have. Uh, I don't know if you can believe that. He's like, how many kids do you have anymore these days, Garrett? And I'm like, come on. I mean, for pity's sake. It's not that many. Seven is not that high to count to, Bryce. Anyway. <laughs> Alas, I digress. But in the case of my grandparents, I mean, they had uh, nine children and then, you know, what, 40 or so uh, grandchildren. And that's not even counting uh, the spouses and children of their grandchildren. So their great grandchildren and grandchildren in law. And, it, you know, it's just a, a far more uh, sustainable uh, model for being able to take care of them in their old age. And, uh, and, and so also, you know, broader society, you know, you, you have these two contrasting, uh, possibilities for what the future could look like. And in Europe, you know, you look at, uh, the past 30 years, Douglas Murray writes in the strange death of Europe about past 30 years of immigration policy in Europe and how European, uh, political leaders and, uh, and the elites and the wealthy people, uh, they hatched this plan to make up for declining uh, European birth rates, and also, I mean, just people that, uh, you know, after World War II, uh, there was just a lot of people that were killed. And so, how do you replace those populations? Uh, you, you bring in uh, people from uh, elsewhere in the world, and so people from Northern Africa and from the Middle East. Uh, they said, "Hey, that sounds great. Let's let's go there. We'll work in the factories. We'll do the jobs that uh, these men have, uh, have, you know, who have died are no longer uh, doing." And and so then, you know, but for those uh, migrants from uh, the Muslim world, uh, Europe would have uh, just an even more abysmal uh, birth rate, and uh, you know they, they've. Got other problems now, uh, you know, a crisis really, security crisis, a cultural crisis, uh, because that was their uh, solution, as it were, to people having fewer babies, uh, not wanting to have families, not certainly not having big families when they do have families, having your boy and your girl, and then stopping that kind of stuff uh, just isn't going to cut it, folks. 
Sorry. <laughs> He's just, uh, it's, it just doesn't, that dog don't hunt, uh, as the saying goes. Uh, but, you know, here in America, you know, maybe, uh, you know, we're starting to feel that we're behind Europe in declining birth rates. Uh, you know, Americans have maybe more space to spread out and we have more of this uh, pioneering spirit, intrepid spirit. And so it's taken us longer to slow down our birth rate. But as we uh, do slow down, uh, you know, I think we see a lot of, uh, you know, migration from Latin America, from uh, countries that are, are Catholic primarily. And, and then you have a higher birth rate among Catholics because uh, at least uh, for the most part, they are against contraceptives um, on moral grounds. They believe that uh, contraceptive is a sin, that the purpose of sex and marriage is procreation, having babies. And uh, so then they do, you know, they, <laughs> that's the natural consequence of uh, that kind of thinking is you end up having more babies. And, uh, and so that's, you know, and I don't have a problem with the demographics of uh, America changing. I have, you know, I, I just so happen to be uh, Caucasian, um, but uh, we're all human beings. Um, my only concern is not at all to do with ethnicity, skin color, any of that. My only concerns are to do with culture and uh, values, you know, and, and uh, if you have people who come from uh, maybe some Marxist uh, countries in South America, Central America, uh, countries that have a high degree of corruption, um, perhaps uh, collusion between drug cartels and your government, uh, or things like that, and then uh, they bring, you know, I, in many, many cases, I'm sure they come to America to get away from that because they object so strenuously. And then they come to America all the more strongly against it because they've seen how devastating it can be. But you can also have uh, the other side of that uh, where you have people who have been those drug cartels and been those corrupt government officials and been part of the problem rather than part of the solution in their home country coming to America and then having lots of babies and taking the jobs and then bringing that uh, sort of a culture uh, with them, that sort of value system with them, uh, that should be a concern. Um, obviously, America uh, has its own problems because it's a place filled with human beings, and human beings are uh, imperfect. And uh, I believe as a Christian, we have a sinful nature that we're born with as uh, sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. And uh, as such, you know, anywhere people are involved, this side of uh, Jesus returning, uh, you're going to have imperfections in, in one form or fashion. It's just a question of particulars and personalities. And the names and, and dates and places maybe uh, change, but uh, the general reality remains uh, the same <laughs> uh, for the most part. But, you know, I, I note you know, in, in America, maybe we're going to compensate for declining birth rates by uh, bringing in migrants. You know, certainly the Democrats are a fan of that plan, uh, bringing in migrants from other countries and then having them vote Democrat, uh, you know, because they've been kind of bribed into the Democratic platform. And, uh, and if they're already okay with socialism, because their home country was socialist, and this isn't as bad as that was, you know, the Americans... Uh, are not quite as socialists and it, you know maybe this time it'll work socialism will work this time because it's bernie sanders and he's just such a nice guy um you know that uh that is a a very concerning future that we have uh possibly to look forward to unless we do something to change our wicked ways and uh you know i'll say as well i mean even with the automation um one thing that is concerning as i looked into going to work for Tesla and uh, researched Elon Musk and Tesla and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, one of the things he's been very vocal about is uh, the threat posed by uh, AI, artificial intelligence. And as AI becomes more advanced and more uh, inseparable from our daily processes, and it's in everything, and everything is smart. You've got a smart toothbrush and a smart doorknob and a smart 
everything as systems become more integrated and you've got sensors on more and more things and etc uh you know is there a potential for ai to become self-aware to see you know human beings as uh you know as these women in this article i was just telling you about see human beings as what's wrong with the world as uh you know and you know it, what if ai says you know in order to save the planet we're going to just destroy human beings depopulate or what if you get some radical environmentalist who says i'm going to get uh, this AI system built or I'm going to purchase it because I've got lots of money and I'm virtue signaling and I fly all around the globe in my nice big jet and uh, live in all these different houses. But you, you peons, you're obstructing my view of the mountains. And uh, so I'm going to hijack AI to depopulate the planet uh, through just just random little accidents and things that uh, discourage you from uh, existing. <laughs> uh, you know, that is, that is concerning. And Elon Musk, I mean, he's raised the alarm about the, the threat posed by AI as we become more and more automated and, and as automation in society becomes more advanced. But his solution is, uh, you know, perhaps uh, killing the patient to cure the disease where he says the only way to beat uh, the AI is going to be uh, for humans to merge with machines. And so then you're going to have, you're basically going to become cyborgs, uh, take uh, implants, chips, uh, things like that that are going to augment your reality. And, uh, and then you'll be able to keep up with the AI, with the machines. And, uh, you know, and that becomes, uh, you know, perhaps even a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right, where you, uh, you you don't trust AI, and and then AI is going to be in everything. So the solution is going to be to put machinery inside yourself. Well, what happens when that machinery is itself part of the grid and it's automated, and then you know you misbehave, and uh, and there's a built-in taser or whatever that you <laughs> when you don't do what you're supposed to, it gives you a little jolt. Uh, you know, kind of like uh, 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 an obedience collar, shock collar on a, on a dog. Uh, it gives you a little bit of a jolt and says, hey, no, no, don't do that. You know, or if you have, uh, uh, you know, if, you, if you've got uh, these um, devices uh, that are supposed to be augmenting your biological processes and helping to, you know, <clears throat> uh, optimize you, overclock your body as it were, to make up for your, your heart failing, your lungs <clears throat> becoming diseased, uh, whatever, your kidney function, whatever, <clears throat> helping to regulate those things. Uh, what happens if uh, AI or somebody who has the, the keys to the kingdom with those systems and can, can log in remotely, etc., what happens if they just decide you are in the way and uh, they go ahead and, and hijack those systems and, and cause them to go haywire. Well, then they could just very easily, you know, flip a kill switch on you. And what, are you, what can you do about it? You know, um, very concerning uh, potential future uh, as far as that goes. You know, I, I, uh, I loved reading Popular Mechanics as a kid. And, and Popular Mechanics, you know, historically, you look at uh, the covers for that magazine from the 1950s and the 1960s, and it is, it'll make you smile. It just, it, 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 they're so bright and colorful and cartoonish and so optimistic. Just absolutely, the sky is the limit on human potential, what we're capable of and where we're going and the things we're going to do. And flying cars are always just 30 seconds away. And, and, you know, that's, that was popular mechanics and, uh, popular science. And, you know, I think still there's a lot of people that want to think about the future that way, even today, you know, whatever new exciting thing my iPhone 10 can do, uh, that is, you know, that, that is just, uh, it's going to get better and better. It's going to be able to do something even cooler tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Uh, you know, never mind that uh, I can't plug this microphone into the lightning port on it. Thank you very much, Apple. Uh, you know, but 
but it's it is able to do some pretty fantastic amazing things uh even just you listening to this podcast if you're listening to this on your smartphone your computer whatever uh you know the the generation that was reading popular mechanics in the 1950s when those issues were current would just be blown away that i could sitting in my sitting room in my living room at my desk with my computer and with this $30 microphone that I could be sitting here recording this, uh, you know, signing, setting up a, a podcast account for free. <clears throat> and then you could find it in the blink of an eye almost, uh, and download it and listen to it from anywhere in your car, uh, in your headphones, wherever wirelessly as you're doing something else, they would just be blown away at just how accessible these things have become for us. And, and we take it for granted. I, there's exciting things to look forward to in the future, but there's also cause for concern. And we do well to uh, be aware of uh, the concerns of the future. I want to end on a positive note. And uh, the way to do that, in my mind, uh, the way to do that best is uh, to finish off with what is good and what is true. You know, we can get concerned about the future, about killer robots turning out like <clears throat> Terminator or about uh, Elon Musk cyborgs uh, trying to uh, install implants so that we can beat the AI together or whatever. Uh, but I think it behooves us to remember what God's word says is uh, good and true and to keep that in the fore of our minds as something to offset uh, the possibilities uh, of what could come down the pike. You know, first off, um, I'd like to read Psalm 127 for you uh, in the English Standard Version, which is my preferred version. Uh, it says, Unless Yahweh builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless Yahweh watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from Yahweh, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So that is Psalm 127 a song of a sense of Solomon. And, you know, notice the, the first half and the second half, right? <clears throat> Unless Yahweh builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. You know, all of the uh, carefully contrived plans that uh, secular leaders, uh, in many cases, godless leaders in uh, the West, <clears throat> Uh, have tried to come up with for pursuing economic prosperity. All of those carefully laid plans are in vain unless God is blessing the country. And if you're doing things like murdering babies, uh, like compelling women, forcing women to have abortions or to be sterilized, if you're doing that kind of stuff, uh, you should not expect the blessings of God. Uh, as a result, you should expect judgment to come. Uh, it's just a question of when. He may uh, hold off for a time, but there will be consequences, both natural and I think supernatural as well, for that kind of a policy. Uh, you know, it says, unless Yahweh watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You think about how stressed out we get about uh, anything about AI or global warming or whatever, uh, you know, God is sovereign. He knows what's going on. He, he sees us. He watches over us. Uh, we should be good stewards of what we have. We should be circumspect and wise. But uh, ultimately, God is watching over us and the affairs of all mankind, and he watches over the universe and rules it. We can trust in him and, and be able to sleep. You know, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. You know, rest easy knowing that God is sovereign and that he loves you and he has things well in hand. 
You know, verses three through five, behold, children are a heritage from Yahweh, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Now I could qualify this to death and try to uh, assuage uh, the couples that choose not to have children and they choose to have uh, pets and those are their children. You know, they're, they're furry babies. As my wife was telling me, she had seen something uh, the other day. Some, some woman was celebrating Mother's Day uh, by posting pictures of her dog and cat or something like that. And it was her fur babies. And she's not actually a mother for whatever reason. I don't know. Uh, but she thinks that Mother's Day is for her because she has uh, a pet dog. And uh, boy, that's weird. I just, gosh, I just, I, I don't grasp it. I understand, like, if you get really attached to your dog, but um, no, I just <laughs> stop, <laughs> please. <laughs> uh, you know, behold, children, human children, you know, a, a boy and a girl, uh, or then some, are a heritage from Yahweh, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Now, okay, let's let's stop for just a second there. The children of one's youth? You mean having babies, uh, you know, 35 to 40 years old, just starting to have a family then? That's that's your youth, right? Well, no, I, I don't think so. Uh, I could be wrong, but uh, I don't think, um, you know, I, certainly, you know, women uh, don't, uh, think of themselves as youthful at uh, 35 to 40, you know, after you've gone and, and gotten your degree and you've spent 10 years, 15 years building your career, and then you're going to walk away from this career you've built up and, and go have a family. And that's, you know, hey, if that's what women are doing, uh, that's between them and God. I don't mean to step between them and God and become their judge and arbiter uh, where he uh, is, is the, the rightful person for that. But uh, this is like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Um, one thing I do know, youth uh, should include your early mid-20s. My wife and I, we got married. Uh, I was 20. I had just turned 20, 20 days prior to our wedding. And my wife was 19 and a half. And uh, a number of people really gave us, uh, you know, dirty looks for getting married at that age. And I'll note it was, it was the craziest thing to us. And we've talked about it so many times just amongst ourselves. You know, there were other young women who were having babies who weren't married. These, these young women weren't married. In some cases they had babies by multiple men, you know, and, and even if they did get married or were in a long-term relationship with a man, uh, it, it was, it only lasted, uh, you know, two, three years, and then they'd be having a baby by another man. And, and it seemed like, and maybe we just didn't, didn't, weren't hearing it, but it seemed like they got a lot of moral support and a lot of encouragement from uh, some of the adults in our church and in our community. You know, if there was judging, it was kept, <clears throat> it was kept uh, secret. Um, but meanwhile, we... Uh, we were given dirty looks going and getting married, getting locked in on this, getting committed, uh, trying to do things the right way. Uh, we were getting dirty looks for getting married and having kids. Yeah, in marriage, me, you know, me especially, it was like, you are a loser. What is wrong with you? Uh, you need to go to college and finish that and then spend a, a few years building your career. And then maybe you can have it. You can have children. Um you know, let me read this again. Psalm 127, a song uh, of Solomon. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Now, this is not at all in any measure to taunt those uh, who uh, chose not to have children you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago, and now uh, they're they're too old to care for themselves. Uh, I am sorry. Like that is that is awful. And my wife used to, to work in a nursing home, 
Uh, and I visited her and I visited nursing homes with her uh, to visit uh, elderly people that uh, we had met, uh, you know, just to see how they were doing, to check up on them. And I, I tell you what, there is not even uh, a, I, I did a prison ministry one time. That was not as depressing to me as going to a nursing home where you have somebody who's too old to take care of themselves, uh, possibly being put there in storage in perpetuity by family that doesn't want to be bothered. Some, some, some cases they can't be bothered. You know, they are little Charlie and they can't possibly take care of both their parents and all four of their grandparents. It's not reasonable and, and it's just not possible. They have to work and they can't stay home and do that. Uh, and maybe they're so young, you know, because <clears throat> their parents and grandparents only decided to have kids uh, when they were 30 to 40. And so their parents and grandparents are already 50, 60, and 70, 80 uh, before, <laughs> uh, you know, before this kid uh, is even, you know, 20 or 30. And they're, they're not married yet. They haven't had any kids. They're waiting longer and longer to have children themselves. Uh, it, it has... It has an, a, a, an effect, a ripple effect down through the generations, and it creates difficulties later on, which uh, could be greatly mitigated and reduced if people would uh, obey the, the commands, uh, the, the vision for marriage and for uh, family life, for human activity uh, that comes from the very first chapter of Genesis, the very first chapter of the Bible. You know, what does God say? to Adam and Eve. He says, you know, Genesis 1 28, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. All this crap about overpopulating and, and filling up the planet. Guess what? That's the idea. Fill the earth and govern it. <laughs> Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky and all the animals, you know, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. That is what God told us to do. That's not some accident that, you know, hey, we're not uh, this, this pox, this plague, this disease on the planet that got here by accident and, and now we need to be exterminated like so many cockroaches or, or mice. Uh, God's command was be fruitful and multiply. We are created in the image of God and he has given us a special preeminent position uh, among the other creatures we are not just mere animals. We are uh, alone created in the image of God. Even if the apes and the monkeys look a lot like us sometimes, uh, they are not created in the image of God. We are. And as such, you don't treat people like animals. You don't compel them to get abortions or uh, sterilize them. And you don't manipulate them uh, by this constant drip, drip, dripping that slowly drives a man insane until uh, he no longer wants to have uh, children because you've, you have uh, blasted that kind of a message through uh, movies and music and TV shows and through news articles. Uh, you know, you, you just, you don't do that. Uh, God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals. Reign over them rule uh you know genesis 9 7 also uh god gives that command again and you be fruitful and multiply increase greatly okay increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it and so this is this is something you know in a little bit of context for those that aren't familiar genesis 9 7 god says that uh, after having given uh, every living thing to man as food. You know, he had given the, the plants for them to eat. You could eat, you know, your fruit, and your vegetables. And now he expanded it and he said, you can eat animals too. That's all right. And I'm glad he said that. I think animals are, are delicious, personally. Uh, not that I enjoy uh, killing animals or anything like that. I do hunt, and there's always a, a tinge of sadness in uh, taking the life of an animal. Uh, you know, that is life, even if it's not human life, even if it's not made in the image of God. And uh, I think we do well to honor God by 
respecting the fact that he put life in this creature. But Genesis 9, you know, he says, uh, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I have gave you the green plants, I give you everything. You, you know, And so, you know, not to go on and on and on and read the entire book of Genesis, but clearly uh, God's vision is not that we are just one more among the animals. And it is certainly not that uh, we value ourselves and one another less than the animals, where we say, in order to save the whales, we're going to abort some babies. Yeah, in order to save these baby eagle chicks, that if you were to to go and uh, snip their spinal column and and rip them apart piece by piece and pull them out of the nest and and throw them in a garbage bag and and sell their tissue for medical research, there would be an unholy uh, uproar, and you would be in jail. You you would you would go to jail for the rest of your life if somebody didn't just kill you. Uh, murder you because they were so upset about you doing that to these majestic baby eaglets. Uh, and, you know, we don't do that to eagles, and yet we do that to thousands of American babies every day. Uh, in a, you know, in in full view of uh, the government, with its blessing and protection, and uh, even its uh, uh, funding for Planned Parenthood. Uh, you know, it's it is abominable. God does not bless. A nation like that, uh, we can't say "God bless America" uh, when we're behaving that way. Uh, unless Yahweh builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless Yahweh watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for He gives to His beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from Yahweh; the fruit of the womb a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, or the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So, with that, that is my positive note, or as close as I'm going to come to a positive note to end on <laughs> with this, because we know that what God says is good and true. We can hang our hat on that. You know, if God says, it is not good for a man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him and then he brings uh, adam and eve together in marriage and then he says be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it uh, we know that that is a good thing that is a good thing that is it gives us purpose and direction and it also is clarifying and it helps us to uh, avoid the uh, untruth of the uh, environmentalist uh, i would say uh, earth worshiping, you know, worshiping earth as this mother goddess, uh, in, in a very pagan way. Uh, it helps us to avoid, uh, the, the hypocrisy, uh, the, the do as I say, not as I do of the Al Gore's and the Leonardo DiCaprio's of the world right now. Uh, it helps us to avoid the folly of these women in, uh, the UK who are saying, I'm not going to have children because I'm saving the planet. You know, don't you know, no, 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 pay no attention to all of my consumption, my personal consumption. I'm not going to stop any of that. I'm just going to stop making babies because I'm, I'm busy consuming. I don't want to have to tell them to stop consuming at the rate that I do as self-absorbed as I am. Uh, that would just that would re that would uh, uh, eat into my pleasure and satisfaction. Uh, the, the guilt and the discomfort of having to tell them to not do as I do because there is something wrong with the way that I live, the way my attitude is, uh, the way my heart is. You know, all of this, uh, you know, if any Christian would say, this is a, you, know, you shouldn't get into all of that. We should just preach the gospel and let God work on them. Let the Holy Spirit do its job to convict. Um, well, guess what? You know, that is the gospel. And uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't operate in a vacuum. Um, you know, we read the scriptures, we apply them, we live according to them, and uh, and the Holy Spirit doesn't just move in other people to convict them of sin. He can also uh, speak through believers such as myself and say, this is what you need to tell them, right? This is what the scriptures say, and uh, this is how that point A connects to the point B of our current circumstance and situation. 
And here is specifically what we need to repent of because it's sin and folly and it's only going to lead to destruction. So anyway, uh, I think the alternative is uh, if we embrace these truths, this, the truth of what God has told us, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. There is a blessing in that. If we embrace the truth that God is sovereign and he watches over us and uh, he does see the affairs of men and that he does love us. And if we submit ourselves to him and if we uh, acknowledge him in all our ways, uh, if we humble ourselves before the Lord, that uh, he will raise us up. Uh, if, we, if we embrace those truths and live according to them. And, and if we uh, study God's word diligently to know what truth is. and uh, to honor God with our bodies, with our wealth, with our, you know, whether we consume or we produce or what have you. Uh, there's great liberty in that and there's great peace in that and freedom from the anxiety of this folly that is uh, the global warming, climate change, uh, nonsense, hysteria, uh, Ponzi scheme, if you ask me. Uh, but anyway, that is uh, all the time I have for today. I want to make these episodes about an hour. If I go too much longer, then uh, this one's going to be uh, an hour and a half before I know it. But uh, in any event, thank you for listening. Uh, if you have any thoughts to add or uh, comments, questions, concerns, objections, what have you, you can email me at garrettmullet at gmail.com. Make sure the mullet, the T at the end, there's only one. Uh, if you put two T's on there, it'll go to another Garrett Mullet uh, who... Uh, I am actually I'm friends with him because it's happened to us more than once. Somebody's trying to send me something and they send it to him accidentally. Somebody's trying to send him something they sent me accidentally, and uh, so we've connected on Facebook, and uh, it's, we, we kind of have a laugh about it every now and then. But in any event, thank you for listening. Hope you have a good day. Tune in to our next episode. Subscribe to my podcast. Look me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, thank you.